you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, how are we doing, how are we freaking doing, and welcome to episode number 91 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing, huh? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Woo! Let's fucking go! That was great, huh? That was fun, wasn't it? That wasn't stressful at all, huh? I'm not going to die at a young age because of that, huh? What a win. Going to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat. Going to the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time in four years. Going to the Eastern Conference Finals in the bubble for the first time. Wow. But before we begin, let me just give a golf clap, round of applause, tip of the cap to the Toronto Raptors. That was a hell of a series. Absolutely hell of a series. I dislike Kyle Lowry a lot. But he's a really good basketball player, and you have to give credit where credit's due. And he's he's a great basketball player. Heart and soul of the city of Toronto when it comes to basketball. Really, the sports is their whole because I think the Toronto Maple Leafs suck at hockey, even though that is a hockey town. Jurassic Park's the thing. So shout-out to Kyle Lowry, even though I dislike you. Nick Nurse, very smart coach, very annoying but a very smart coach. Bravo to him for really pushing the button and basically making Kemba Walker not exist. So props to him. Serge Ibaka, pro's pro. Fred Van Fleet, he's going to get paid this summer, whether it's from the Raptors or someone else. So props to him. Norman Powell, kind of annoying. OGM and Anobi, good for you, bud. What a series. Bravo. I mean, if, if there was a series for you to improve, that was it, and you did it. So... Props to that, but enough of that. Let's talk about the five things that I was looking for in the series because my my five keys to the game uh, in episode 90 for game six were win the fucking game, please, and they won the fucking game. Thankful. So fast break points. The Celtics had 23 fast break points in game seven to the Raptors 10. The Celtics ran, and it's just what Brad Stevens said at halftime. That, you know, they showed a clip on TNT about it. By the way, I'm going to miss the TNT broadcast because now all the Eastern Conference final games are going to be on ESPN. So I'm going to miss the TNT coverage. Anyways, uh, the fast break points, 23 to 10. I really thought the Celtics just ran. And more importantly, they got back on defense in transition the entire series. I didn't think the Raptors did too much with their transition offense, so props to Brad for preparing those guys, making sure they're in not only good shape, but also smart enough to run back. So congratulations there. The coaches. I don't know, because I thought Nick Nurse running that box and one, doing that 
diamond zone, the 2-1-2 zone, you name it. All those different zones and different uh, defensive schemes that he made the Celtics play through, I thought was very impressive. I really didn't like the way that Brad Stevens handled Kemba's, Kemba Walker's box and one. I, I thought it was absolutely terrible, to be honest with you, and it really made me mad thinking about it. And I'm not going to try and get mad and lose my the good mood that I'm in because we're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. But the fact that Brad barely made any adjustments to get Kemba going from that box and one was pretty pitiful. And we all know how much I love Brad. So I don't know. I feel like it's a push because both kind of, sh- you know, both kind of shine in their own different moments. So I'll say that's a push. Siakam versus Tatum, please. That's Tatum all day, every day. I mean, Tatum was unbelievable in game one, game two, game seven, three, four, five, six. You know, he was okay, but Siakam sucked. He really did. I mean, if it wasn't for Marcus Gasol being the Celtics' best player overall in this series because Marcus Gasol was terrible, Pascal Siakam is right up there. Pascal Siakam did not play very well in this series at all. The guards, I don't know. <laughs> because when Fred Van Fleet is bad, he's bad. Kyle Lowry, I thought, was pretty good for, I would say, five out of the seven games of the series. Marcus Smart was phenomenal, especially in games uh, six and seven. Kemba was nowhere to be found in the last two games when it mattered, so I feel like that's also a push, too. So the coaches were a push. The, the guards were a push, but the Celtics win fast break, uh, how they handled it and their stars, and the bench. I mean, Norman Powell and Serge Ibaka blew the Celtics bench out of the water. I mean, yes, the time Lord played great. Yes, Brad Wanamaker had some highlights at times. Grant Williams was phenomenal in these last four or five minutes. But overall, I mean, the Raptors bench blew them out of the water. So I I would say, you know, the Celtics won two out of, I think it was 2-1-2. Two, two. You know, they, they won two of those categories. They lost one of them, and then they tied um, <clears throat> the other two, you know, as a push. So... Oh, man. All right, well, let's recap this 92-87 to win. If I stutter a lot, if I'm not making any sense, it's because I'm basically blacked out on happiness. And sometimes when that happens, I just don't know what I'm talking about. So if it's confusing, just bear with me, okay? All right? Thanks. All right. Here we go. So start the game. I thought the Celtics got a lot of good shots early. The Raptors came out and ran that box and won again on Kemba. Again, Brad Stevens didn't really make a lot of great adjustments, but the Celtics ball movement was pretty good, and they found a lot of good open looks, even though they were one of eight from three in the first six minutes. I thought right usually when a team is tired, they start shooting a lot of threes and don't attack the basket. So coming coming out of game six, you know, three or four guys played over 50 minutes in that game, and then to see all of them being short on three-pointers, who. That was <laughs> that was not good, not good at all. Then the Time Lord came in. He came in early in the first four minutes of the game. I think he came in with like maybe three and a half minutes in with about eight and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Um, and he got a quick bucket, which I loved. And then Tatum got a three. And then Raptors called a good timeout early because they didn't want them to go on the run. But the Celtics went on a 13-0 run. They made three consecutive three-pointers in a row, which is what they gave up in game six in multiple quarters, and I'm still angry about, but that's okay. And then Tice came in when Ibaka came off the bench, and Powell joined Ibaka, and then the Raptors went on a run and cut the lead down to five. Basically, at the end of it, once they cut the lead down to five, Brad called a timeout, and next thing you know, they the Raptors eventually go on a 24, uh, I'm sorry, a 20-4 to run, 
even though the Celtics were winning by 12, a 20-4 run, Celtics are down four, and they did it with Abaka, Thomas, Van Fleet, Powell, and Siakam. And during the entire season together, those five guys played a total of one minute. One minute together. Those five players. And the Celtics allowed them to go on a 20-4 run. So that made me a little uncomfortable. Not great Bob there. Speaking of not great Bob, was Jalen Brown's shot selection early? Really wasn't ideal. He can't be taking 30 shots a night. I think we all can agree with that, that Jalen's a great shooter. But he's the classic 18, 19, maybe 20 shots a night guy. Jason Tatum or Kemba Walker should be the guy taking 30 shots. I know, I know, I know. Kemba probably shouldn't be taking 30 shots with the way that he's played the last two games. I get it. I get it. I get it. But if you take away the last two games and you ask any normal NBA fan, uh, broadcaster, media guy, whatever the case may be, you'd rather have Kemba and Tatum taking 30 shots over Jalen Brown. With that being said, I do love Jalen's confidence. (laughs) I really do. But he has to realize there was one play where Marcus Smart was on the wing. Jalen was up top. He had to kind of dribble, 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 take a shot. Marcus Smart was wide open, like wide open. And I would rather have a Marcus Smart wide open three than a Jalen Brown contested three, and it happened. The first quarter of Jalen Brown reminded me of his game against Game 7 at the Garden against the Cavs, a.k.a. he didn't show up, and it really started to scare me. It really and truly did. I was just like, this is not going to be good at all. At all. It's not going to be that great. But he ended up shooting 10 of 17 from the field. He was 1 of 7 from 3, which made me want to vomit. He did get 8 rebounds. He had 4 steals. I mean, the Celtics had 12 steals in this game, guys. The Raptors had 1. But the Raptors scored 31 points off of the Celtics' 12 turnovers. The, The Celtics did force the Raptors to have 18 turnovers, which I think is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, man. To, to, to be that good defensively and to force that many turnovers and to keep control of the ball on your own end where you've been struggling with a lot of lazy turnovers all series, tip of the cap to the Celtics there. Absolutely fantastic. But I'm telling you, I cannot tell you how angry I was that Brad couldn't find a way to get Kemba some shots up in the box and one. I I think that is extremely concerning. We all know that Brad Stevens is a great coach. You don't get to three, you don't get to three Eastern Conference Finals in four years if you don't have a good coach, especially with a team that's this young. Okay, but they played in a bit in Game Five. They did it in all of Game Six, and you and you're saying to yourself, "Where the fuck are the adjustments?" I don't get it. I don't get it at all. It it absolutely blows my mind. But Luckily, Shemi hit a three in the corner uh, over Serge Ibaka at the end, and I think the Celtics were only down one after that. But in that first quarter, Jason Tatum was phenomenal. Nine points, seven boards, four assists, and he played all 12 minutes too. The only thing that I didn't like about it, and I really hope I don't see it in the Miami Heat series, is that floater. I know he hit, well, I think he hit two. Maybe he only hit one. Like the 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 first shot that he took, I think it he f- did that stupid floater, forced it, went up, hit the backboard, went in, and then every sink like another time it like got him to the free throw line, but all like he's taking it above the free throw line, like just floating it up there. I don't get it. I think it's stupid. I don't like it at all. It needs to go away. I don't want to see it in the next round unless, you know, 
you there's a pick and roll coming, you dribble through just in case they do trap you, and Myers Leonard or Bam Adebayo or Kelly Kelly Olynyk are coming towards you, then float it up over them. But I don't need to see it like forced, like a Roger Clemens fastball, just absolutely like no, I I can't. It's a floater for a reason. You you don't need to chuck it up there. <sighs> All right. Second quarter comes around. Norman Powell was huge for the Raptors. He locked down Kemba, even in the box and one. Now, that does obviously help the box and one when you have a very, very good defender off the bench that can give you a lot of energy. So that was fine. And the other thing was he also blew by a couple of Celtics defenders a couple of times to the point where he actually had one where he just got the rebound, dribbled it down the court, and just absolutely slammed it home. No one picked him up. That was infuriating especially when the Celtics' offense sucked early, in the early part of the second quarter. But I was very happy with the Celtics' defense. I thought the Celtics', Celtics defense in this game was fantastic. I really did. At times, sure, it was annoying. Maybe they gave up a little, you know, they might have given up too many runs. But overall, to force four straight turnovers, if your offense isn't clicking like it was early in that second quarter, for you to force four straight turnovers, that's great. I didn't like how the Celtics forced some shots. They took some bad shots, and they let the Raptors get up their lead to six. At that point, when the Raptors got their lead up to six in the second quarter, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart were combined three of 12 from three. After that, neither of them made another three-pointer. Thankfully, they only shot a total of five because the two of them were combined three of 17 from three. You're going to need a little bit more than that against a very good three-point shooting team in the Miami Heat which we'll talk about in a little bit because i got a full series preview ready to go for you. But Kemba not being anywhere to be found, and then he made that really dumb foul on Serge Ibaka, was very, very annoying. The Raptors went really big. They went Gasol and Ibaka out there, but luckily it didn't affect the Celtics too much. It was like Nick Nurse was trying to pull all these different lineups out of his hat and go big versus probably going small, which how he closed out the fourth quarter, the first overtime, and the second overtime in game six. He had, what what was crazy about Kemba is 20 minutes into the game, he had more blocks than he did points. He had one block and zero points in the first 20 minutes of the game. But once he found a little rhythm, he got, he got some hoops, and he realized once their defense wasn't set up, he could actually play like the player that he is. But him just standing in the corner... I guess you could argue is a good thing because it kind of puts their best defender on him and then it gives Tatum and Brown an opportunity to attack the rim better. So I guess, you know, in some beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy world, it can be a good thing if they're running boxing one on Kemba. But I don't I don't know if Eric Spolstra for the Miami Heat's going to do that, but I wouldn't blame him if he does because Nick Nurse really showed a, a weak spot in the Celtics offense because Kemba was terrible. But the Celtics hit, uh, did, what was it, five minutes left or six minutes left? The Celtics were in the bonus, I think, with about five or six minutes left in the second quarter, and they didn't get to the free throw line once. But luckily they went on an 11-0 run thanks to more great defense. Marcus Smart won, won so many 50-50 balls in this game. His competitiveness, his hustle outshined everything that the Raptors tried to do. And Jalen luckily finally hit some shots, and the Celtics closed out the second quarter on a 17-6 run going up four into the half, but was really good about the fact that, you know, the Celtics won that corner, uh, quarter 24-19. to 19. Tatum only had two points. He didn't play that much, but he only had two points, so that was good. So, third quarter starts, and you're like, oh boy, this is it. 
You're up four, third quarters. You haven't won one yet all series. For the love of God, please win this one. Please, 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 please. Jason Tatum started out the third quarter on a three, thanks to some absolutely fantastic ball movement. And then Jalen Brown hit a jumper. So they started off on a 5-0 run. So you're feeling a little sexy. Your nipples are getting a little hard. You're having a great time. Then Kemba missed two free throws in a roll, which absolutely broke my soul when he missed both of those free throws. Because then at this point, you knew it was just more than the box and one. It was a mental game for him. And that makes me feel very uncomfortable because I promise you that there are more spotlights, more lights, more pressure, more issues than you'll ever get in round two compared to the Eastern Conference Finals. That sentence that I just said just shows how much I am all over the place because that was just pure gibberish. Sorry about that. But those two missed free throws by Kemba, they could have put the Celtics up 10. Then Tice missed a, got a second chance hoop. He, what, what did he do? After the Raptors, after Kemba missed those buckets, Tice got a block. Or no, he got a second chance hoop off of a Tatum miss, got a block, and that extended the lead to nine. So you're like, okay, good. But the thing was that the, the Celtics let the Raptors hang around. And I don't think the Celtics scored for over three and a half minutes. It was either three and a half or four minutes. Lowry got to the rim for an and one after a made basket, and that was absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. That was probably the tipping point of anger for me. For a guy to literally catch the ball after a made basket, you don't sprint back. He sprints all the way down the floor. You cause a stupid foul, he gets an and one. Really gives them momentum. Luckily, Smart got a huge and one going to the basket to get the Celtics back up four. But then you had a bad shot by Shemi Ojale, and Fred Van Fleet stuck a three. Lowry got going a little bit, which was a little scary because if Lowry gets going in the fourth quarter, that's not going to be good. But luckily, Tatum hit a huge three with about a minute left. Then Powell came down and hit another three, which was absolutely crazy. And because of that, the Raptors won the third quarter 25-22, to and you're going up into the fourth quarter, up one. Wait, I mean, it is absolutely unreal that the Celtics lost every single freaking third quarter in the series. Absolutely unbelievable. If... I, I literally think if you take away Kemba and all the bad things that he did in the third quarter, I thought it was a good third quarter, and you really can't complain too much. You know, only scoring 22 points. What was crazy about this game in the first quarter, the Celtics scored 26, second, 24, third, 22, and the fourth, 20. So they literally went boom, 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 boom. They got two points worse. Thank God we didn't play overtime. They would have only scored 18 points. But I thought the Celtics did a great job. They didn't allow a lot of second-chance points. Their defense was there. They limited their turnovers, which was pretty good. And their three-point shooting going into the fourth quarter was very, very, very concerning. Tatum was 4 of 6 overall, but the rest of the team was 4 of 25 heading into the fourth quarter. Not good. So, fourth quarter starts. What do we need? We need a Kemba 3. What happened? We got a Kemba 3. Tice, Tatum got some layups after some forced turnovers. You're feeling good. But then... Daniel Tice picked up his fifth foul with about 10 minutes to go, and the Time Lord came in. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> I'm Team Time Lord, as we all know, but oh me, oh my, was that a little nervous. That that was nerve-wracking. That, that was crazy. But Jalen Brown went up for a layup. He fell to the ground, slid about from here to Nova Scotia because the floor is so slippery. Celtics had some good defense. Tatum threw the ball up. Jalen Brown caught it, went up for a dunk or a layup. Siakam gave him a little push in the back. He hit the back uh, the back of the basket, 
and he slipped. Almost like he did a literally did like a split. And then it looked like he had a groin issue because he didn't get up. And then they went to commercial. And those commercials were the longest freaking commercials I have ever watched in my entire life. Was Jalen okay? Was it a groin? Was it a hamstring? Was it, did he like rip his balls in half? Like, what was it? Was it a knee? Like, what was it? So Jalen Brown said after the game that the adrenaline of the game really helped him, like, get up and move on. But he was feeling the issue. And I'll tell you this right now. (laughs) I hope that play doesn't keep Jalen Brown out of the Eastern Conference Finals with, like, a strained groin or a pulled groin or whatever the case may be. The floors in the bubble have been an issue the entire time. And I, I don't know if it... I don't know if that's like the basketball gods looking at Jalen Brown saying you just cherry picked and you gotta want you know you gotta lay up and for those of the for those of you that don't know what cherry picking is look it up but Jalen Brown cherry picked and the basketball gods kind of gave him a little injury because of it but hey we'll take the points and he played the rest of the game and it was great but after Jalen slipped the Raptors brought in their small lineup Siakam Van Fleet Powell Lowry and OG Ananobi. That was what they're going to do. Kemba missed another three. Got a steal thanks to Marcus Smart. Then Kemba gets an and one. Celtics are up seven. So you're feeling good. Shout out to Kemba for having that type of confidence for playing that poorly. Five of 16, one of seven from three. Whew. But the Time Lord was fantastic in his time filling in for Daniel Tice. He really was. I mean, he gasses out early, which is why they brought in Grant Williams. But I thought the Time Lord was terrific in this game. 18 minutes, plus 7, 4 points, 6 rebounds. That's all you really need from him. Maybe an, an extra block, maybe 2, but that's all you need from the Time Lord. That's it. Bravo to him. Then Grant Williams came out to hopefully be stronger than Pascal Siakam, and he was. He forced a turnover. He got an offensive rebound too, but that led to a turnover. So you knew Grant Williams was hustling. I mean, <laughs> what's pretty crazy, Grant Williams was a plus 1. He played 7 minutes. He was 0 of 2 from the line, which we'll get to in a second. He had two offensive rebounds, and those were his only offensive rebounds. Absolutely insane. But the thing that I loved the most about the fourth quarter was that Jason Tatum wanted the ball. He needed the ball. He had to have the ball, and it worked. And that's a superstar right there. Now, did he miss three fourth quarter free throws? Absolutely. Did that piss me off? Absolutely. But 29 points, 12 assists. I'm, I'm sorry, 12 boards, 7 assists. On nine of twenty-three from shoot on nine of twenty-three shooting, that's a game right there. That's that is how you become a superstar in this league. So bravo to you, Jason Tatum, except for those three free throws that you miss. But Lowry picked up his fifth foul with about three and a half sec, uh, three and a half minutes to go. Put Marcus Smart at the line for two. He also missed a fourth quarter free throw, which was absolutely nuts. I think between Tatum, Smart, and Grant Williams, they missed six fourth quarter free throws absolutely unacceptable if that is how we lose the eastern conference finals and that's not how we make it to the nba finals oh oh boy oh boy but speaking of oh boy i really and truly did not like how the celtics let the raptors stick around i mean they allowed the raptors to go on a seven oh seven to one or nine one run but the play of the game norman powell got a uh, marcus all got a steal pickpocketed jason tatum norman powell's running down the court Marcus Smart, I'm pretty sure, jumped from the three-point line and stuffed that shot and brought it back to the moon. That play right there was absolutely and utterly incredible. That is the type of stuff that 
makes you realize how important Marcus Smart is to this team, whether he shoots 2 of 10 from 3, 0 of 22 from the field, whatever the case may be. Those type of plays from Marcus Smart is going to make or break your championship run. Absolutely incredible. So, Lowry picked up his sixth, his sixth foul on a crazy play by Kemba, dumping it to Grant. Grant missed the two free throws, and then Jason Tatum tried to do his best impression of Marcus Smart to get a big rebound, went to the free throw line, stuck two. What a win. Mentally tough win. They didn't, they didn't fold. It was a great win. I didn't like how they let the Raptors stick around so much, but they won. Absolutely incredible. Really loved how they worked the boards. Really loved how much they pushed the ball in transition because, like Brad said at halftime on TNT, run, run, run. There were more opportunities for the Celtics to run. They didn't do that, but hopefully they they watch some film and realize that they can do that, and that will be great. Whew, man, crazy, 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 crazy. So the Celtics are moving on in the Eastern Conference Finals. Let's get into a preview of the Eastern Conference Finals for a little bit, shall we? So if the Los Angeles Clippers can beat the Denver Nuggets tomorrow night, which will be Sunday night, the game will be Tuesday at 8.30. Did I read that right? Yes, I read that right. So, Clippers beat Nuggets. Game will be on Tuesday at 8.30. If Nuggets beat the Clippers, the game will be Tuesday at 6.30. All the games will be on ESPN. Every single one of them. Okay? So, that's that. Then we have the game Thursday. The time is to be determined. And then Saturday, the 19th at 8.30 p.m. Those are the first three games. And it's basically going to go every other day. So, they're going to basically going to play the 15th, the 17th, the 19th, the 21st, the 23rd, the 25th, and the 27th. Got it? Great? Good. All right. Let's do this breakdown. The Celtics are 2-1 and one against the Miami Heat this season. Two wins, not in the bubble. One loss, in the bubble. The Miami Heat are playing really good in the bubble. First game was back in December at the Garden. Celtics won 112-93, but this team, this Heat team looked a lot different. They still had Deion Waiters. Uh, Gordon Drogic was still recovering from his injury. They still had Justice Winslow. So they really didn't have the team that they have right now. With that being said, Jimmy Butler did go off for 37 points. And <laughs> the, excuse me, the Heat bench had 27 points. 27 points in this game, which is a good chunk of change for uh, some people coming off the bench. So, And then everyone outside of Jimmy Butler had, I think, 29 points. It was something like that that I read. Both teams shot the three ball equally well. Uh, the story really was the turnovers. The Miami Heat had 19, and the Celtics had, uh, which led to 14 Celtics points. So, if the Celtics can keep up the three point shooting with the Miami Heat, and they can force them into some shitty turnovers, the Celtics can win this series. They really and truly can. The second game was in January in Miami. No Tatum and no Kelly Olynyk. And what I mean by that is no Kelly Olynyk for the Miami Heat. Not for the Boston Celtics. Thank God those days are over. <laughs> but the Celtics won again 109 to 101 thanks to a 36 point first quarter, but they only scored seven, 17 points in the second. And we can't do this whole we'll play good, then we'll play bad, we'll play good, then we'll play bad. We can't play bad in the second, we can't play bad in the third, we cannot play bad in the first, and we cannot play bad in the fourth. That's right, we cannot play bad at all in this entire series. The Celtics had eight blocks in the second matchup against the Miami Heat, which is kind of like what they're doing now. Uh, I think the, I mean, I don't think the Celtics got that many blocks uh, last night. Uh, what, what did they get? I think they had five blocks, five or six blocks, but there have been some times when they've gotten eight, nine blocks, and that's something they can do. 
Luckily, the Heat didn't shoot very well from three, uh, which is why the Celtics won 101, uh, 109-91. But, I'm sorry, 109-101. to 101. I don't know why I just said 91, but 109-101. to 101. Even though the Heat didn't shoot very well from three, they went to the line 31 times. 31 times. And what was crazy about Tatum not playing in this game, guess who did? Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward had 29 points and 9 rebounds in this game. Obviously the, the stud of the game. So that brings up the Gordon Hayward discussion. What are my thoughts on it? I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you asked. Obviously for those who are sorry on TNT or NBC Sports Boston or on Twitter or on whatever the case may be, Gordon Hayward is back in the bubble. He's out of quarantine. He was shooting around a little bit before the game, which was great. Game one, I don't see Gordon Hayward playing. I just think it's too quick for him to kind of be with the team and recover properly from the ankle injury, get the proper training, et cetera, et cetera. I do think Jason, uh, I do think Gordon Hayward can play in game two on Thursday. Off the bench, maybe a limited role, 15, 20 minutes. The Time Lord played 18. Daniel Tice played 23. Just to kind of give you what what 15 to 20 minutes might look like. Or, you know, I don't think Gordon plays more than 20 minutes until at least game five or game six, if it goes that far. I really don't. I think he comes off the bench. You have to keep Marcus in the starting lineup. It's working. But I do think we will see Gordon Hayward. Now, will Gordon Hayward leave the bubble? I don't know. You can be your own conspiracy theorist. Robin Hayward did post an Instagram story the day that Gordon was leaving, kissing his beautiful children goodbye, and it said, when you come back, you won't be the only guy in the house. So did he get permission to stay? Because Gordon Hayward, as we all know, I think it was in June or July, said, hey, I am going to leave the bubble when I have my kid, my fourth kid. But he just came home for a couple weeks. So was that enough for Robin and the family? I don't know. So he could be leaving, he could be staying. But I do think we will see Gordon Hayward come off the bench in a limited minute roll in game two. I don't think we see him in game one. Some of the other things from the second game in January in Miami, Jalen had 25 points and five assists. That's great. What a time to be alive. I mean, the fact that Tatum Tatum didn't play and Jalen... And Gordon combined for 54 points. That's delicious. Even though Kemba and Marcus Smart combined for 8 of 32 shooting. So that seems to be a little bit of a trend that they both don't shoot that well. But Spo tried to switch up his defense a lot in this game and actually put Leonard, Myers Leonard, and Bam out of bio out there. Leonard only ended up playing 11 minutes. He started the game. And then Gordon Drogic was back and he came off the bench and finished with 23 points. So the most recent game in the bubble was probably the most frustrating game in the seeding games, and I'm sure a lot of you remember me talking about that overall, about how frustrating that was. It was kind of like Game 4 versus the Raptors. They sucked. The Celtics sucked, but somehow they kept it close. The Celtics were healthy for this game. Hayward dropped 15-7 and seven again, so I feel like Hayward does a good job against this Miami Heat team, so if you don't have him for one, maybe you have him for the rest, and that's a good thing. Kemba was still on his minute restriction. He's not going to be on a minute restriction anymore. Jalen had a terrible night shooting. More than 20 shots. He shot 9 of 23 from the floor. And then Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown were a combined 0 of 10 from 3. So when Gordon and Jalen play well, the Celtics win. When Gordon and Jalen play bad, the Celtics lose. Look at that. Easy math. 
The tough part about this one was that Jimmy Butler didn't play. Bam Adebayo went to the line 18 times. Drogic dropped 20 points off the bench. And Duncan Robinson went 5 of 11 from 3. So, a couple things there. Bam Adebayo cannot get to the free throw line 18 times because that's basically going to mean Tice, Time Lord, and Grant Williams will all fall out. <laughs> like, seriously. So that cannot happen in any single way, shape, or form. Bam Adebayo cannot get to the free throw line 18 times. Bam Adebayo is a physical specimen. He is a freak of an athlete. He's strong. He's big. He's going to give Daniel Tice some problems, 1,000%. He is going to be super physical. This isn't going to be Marcus Gasol. This is going to be Serge Ibaka. This is going to be a guy who wants to catch the ball and get to the basket and hopefully get to the free throw line. So Daniel Tice has to be ready for some physicality, and Daniel Tice has to be ready to probably get some calls that he doesn't agree with. Speaking of things I don't agree with, cheering for people, not cheering for people in my from my hometown. The head assistant coach of the Miami Heat, his name is Danny Craig. I don't know if you guys remember earlier in the year when the Celtics played the Miami Heat, Eric Spolstra had his kid, and Danny Craig coached at TD Garden. He's originally from Chelmsford, Massachusetts. Danny Craig graduated in 1998 from Chelmsford High. I graduated in 2003 from Chelmsford High. The, every single summer day camp that I had for basketball, Danny Craig was there. Danny Craig taught me a lot that I know about basketball. He was an unbelievable point guard for Chelmsford. The Chelmsford High basketball days when Danny Craig was around were so much fun. They were a lot of fun. Him, Dan Hart, if he's listening, hey bud, uh, Steve Boss, Danny, uh, Steve Boss, Danny Craig, Jimmy Spaulding, all those guys, a lot of fun. That was like the team for a Chelmsford High basketball that everyone will always remember. But Danny Craig taught me a lot, whether it was at camp, practices, whatever the case may be. So to cheer against Danny Craig is going to be a little tough. But at the end of the day, we got to cheer for the Boston Celtics. So what have the Heat done well in the bubble? Well, I'm glad that you asked. They have the second highest scoring offense of the teams left in the bubble. They have the third best three-point percentage, and no one has gone to the free throw line more than these guys. So these guys love to attack the rim. They love to get teams in foul trouble early to get themselves in the bonus. That way, every single time they get fouled, they get to go to the free throw line. They are second in assists per game. The Celtics are last. Not great, Bob. They are the fifth slowest team based on pace. The Celtics are the fourth slowest team based on pace. So if the Celtics can run on this team, I think that will be a very good thing because this the Heat's offense is motion-based. Everyone's moving at all times. It's not like the Raptors where it's just like, all right, what the hell are we doing here? Um, uh, 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 shoot it. It's not going to be like that. This is a lot of screens, a lot of people moving around. The Celtics' defensive rotations are going to have to be good. Their communication is going to have to be great. They're going to have to call out every single screen. And it will lead to some wide-open shots, maybe around the elbow, top of the key, whatever the case may be. The Heat's defense, I mean offense, just moves, moves, moves. So what will the Celtics have to do to stop the Heat? Number one is ball movement. Their half-court offense has to be better. Both teams play slow, but I really think if the Celtics can get 23 to 26 assists a game, that will help them out. I think they only had 19 assists in game seven. Maybe it was 20, but I think it was only 19 assists. So if they can do that, plus another five or six assists, that's better field goal percentage, that'd be great. The second thing that they have to do, they have to be aware of the shooters. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jay Crowder, 
Gordon Drogic. All those guys can shoot threes. Kemba, Smart, Wanamaker, I don't know. Can we trust them? I think we can tr- trust Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on their three-point shooting, I think, especially Jalen Brown. But the Celtics will lose this three-point contest against this Miami Heat team. They will. Maybe they'll win a couple games, but it's okay if you lose the three-point battle as long as you do other things well. You can not have a three-point contest against this team. You'll lose. You'll absolutely 1,000% lose. The other thing that I'm a little worried about, I don't want Marcus Smart to lose a hip. I don't want Kemba Walker to lose his balls. I don't want Brad Wanamaker to lose a thigh because those three are going to have to run around a lot of screens because Hero will just run around in circles. He'll catch and shoot. It's kind of like what J.J. Redick did at Duke. It's kind of like what Steph Curry or Clay Thompson does now. They'll just go to the baseline. They'll do a bunch of V cuts, and they'll be like, hey, which way am I going? Which way am I going? I'm going to go this way. And then you run into a screen, and then they're wide open for a three. So that'll be you just have to be aware of their shooters and how good they are shooting the ball, but don't try and beat them in a three-point contest. The second thing is rebound the basketball. Outside of Bam Adebayo, if Myers Leonard doesn't play that much, they don't have a lot of size, but they have dogs. They have people that will grind and grind and grind and grind and grind, and that's terrifying as a Celtics fan because we like to scrap. They like to scrap too. Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder. We all know how much of an energy guy Jay Crowder is, okay? We all loved him or liked him, whatever the case may be, when he was here for the Celtics. We all know the type of energy that he brings. And then Iggy. Andrea Iguodala, a veteran guy, probably wants to win one more ring, probably wants to prove that he can win another ring without the Splash Brothers and the Golden State Warriors. So keep an eye out for Iggy. Iggy's a really good defender. The other thing is stay out of foul trouble and shut the fuck up about it. This team loves to put their head down and get to the rim. Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart have to stay out of foul trouble. If Jalen Brown gets into foul trouble in this game, we're fucked. We really are. Jalen Brown has to be very mature on defense. He absolutely does. And then Eric Spolstra. I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the league. Could that be because of Danny Craig? Who knows? But Eric Spolstra is an incredible coach. So underrated. Can Brad one-up him like he did Nick Nurse? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So the five things that I'm looking for in this series and the two most important players for each team. The two most important players for each team, I think, for the Miami Heat is Gordon Dragic. He has played very well on the bubble. A lot of people forget that he's a former All-NBA player, a former All-Star. He can make difficult shots and be very hard to defend, and he's also a pretty good defender, too. Now, will he come off the bench? Will he start? It really all depends on what Spo wants to do with matchups and size, etc., etc. But Gordon Dragic is going to be the most important player for the Miami Heat because if Jimmy Butler can't get going... Gordon Dragic is probably going to be their most trusted scorer because Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, they're very streaky, they're very hit or miss, you know, live or die by the three. So can the Celtics force the Miami Heat to die by the three? Gordon Dragic, a pro's pro, super professional, can run the offense. I'll be interested to see how well he plays for the Miami Heat. And then for the Boston Celtics, it's Kemba. I wanted to say Jalen again, but it's Kemba. After watching Game 6 and Game 7, It's Kemba Walker. Kemba has never been in the spot before. He says this is why he came here. He wants these big spotlights, and he hasn't shown up in Game 6 or Game 7 where the spotlights were the brightest. I think we can all agree on that. He, too, is also an NBA All-Star. He, too, is also an All-NBA player. 
he has to give the Celtics 20 and 5 every night. Anything less than 15 points by Kemba Walker is a failure in this series. It really is. It really and truly is. Like, Game 7, he only had 14 points. Sure, he was a plus 13. He had 6 rebounds and 4 assists. But it was a fail. Kemba Walker is going to make or break this team going to the NBA Finals. I guarantee it. Absolutely guarantee it. So, to close up the podcast, what are the five things that I'm looking for in this series? Number one, points off turnovers. Maybe not number one, but just the first thing I wrote in my notes. Points off turnovers. The Heat can be lazy sometimes with their turnovers, just like the Celtics were in Game 4 and, or really the Game 2 and Game 3, maybe even Game 4 in this series, just lazy passes. You have to capitalize that and score. So if you can force the Toronto Raptors to have 18 turnovers and 12 of those are steals and you score, let's say, 15, 16 points off of that, fantastic. That's exactly what I want to see. Number two, the Celtics ball movement. Like I said, they need 22, 23, 24, 25, maybe even 20, 26, 26 assists a night. That was a mouthful. Holy guacamole. So, yeah. Number three, keep Bam Adebayo off the boards. Daniel Tice is going to have to be super physical. I know Daniel Tice, when he gets poked, he, he, he's in a lot of pain. But Daniel Tice has to keep Bam Adebayo off the boards. He really, truly does. Number four, who will be the closer for the Celtics? Because the Heat have Jimmy Butler. The Heat have one of the best closers in the M- NBA. Now, Jimmy Butler's three-point shooting, a little shaky. But you need someone to hit a, you know, a really tough jumper around the free throw line. You need someone to get to the, to the free throw line. It's Jimmy Butler. He's a dog. He he knows how to close better than anyone else. And I don't want to say better than anyone else in the league, but he, I, I guarantee you he's probably one of the top five best closers in the league. And number five, and this one's super important, how will Jason Tatum react to Jimmy Butler and Andre Iguodala guarding him? I'm not worried about Jay Crowder guarding Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Crowder's a good defender, but please, stop. Like, thanks for coming out. But how will Jason Tatum react to two physical, veteran, lengthy guys defending him? I thought he did a good job with Pascal Siakam. I thought he did a good job with Norman Powell. I thought he did a good job with OG Ananobi. But Andre Iguodala has always been one of the better defenders in the league. Jimmy Butler will literally do anything he can to piss Jason Tatum off. Now, will Jimmy Butler and Marcus Smart probably get into a fight? I'm going to say in the third quarter of game two, probably. But you got to keep your head in this series, and that's Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has to keep his head in the series. He has to keep his confidence up, and he has to keep on in the ball, and it will work out. So my prediction? I don't know. <laughs> I want to say Celtics and six, but I wouldn't be surprised if this one goes seven too. So I'm going to stick to Celtics and six. But if the Miami Heat played the way that they played against the Milwaukee Bucks, I could see Heat and five. I really can because they're playing unbelievable. But with that being said, the Celtics are much better than the Bucks in the bubble. And they're playing very well. They have a lot of confidence coming off of this game seven win. They're going to have Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to rest. Hopefully Gordon Hayward comes back for game two. So... Celtics in six. And that's it for episode number 91 of the Manor Branch Podcast. Thank you so much for listening as always. And we'll talk to you guys. Uh, when will we talk to you again? Uh, we'll talk to you on Wednesday, Wednesday morning after game one. I need a couple days off from this podcast, let me tell you, because this was a long-ass podcast. So thanks so much for tuning in the entire time. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's, wear a mask, wash your hands, Black Lives Matter. Thank you, Boston Celtics, for winning game seven. That was fucking awesome.
拜拜。Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.